everyone. This is Adele Testa, the coach. And for our stories of experts, for fellow experts, we have today a special guest, Jana Naidenova. Today we're going to speak about COVID, motherhood, delivery by zone, and the adventure of a Bulgarian young woman that made home in London and create a family here. Welcome, Jana. Hi, Adele. Thank you for having me. Jana, please introduce yourself and what you do. Hi, um, I'm Bulgarian. Uh, I moved to UK in 2014. I came to study my master's here. Um, originally, I'm from Burgas, a very beautiful town by the beach. Um, to be honest, I do miss the beach quite a lot. <laughs> um, and I work in procurement. I've been in procurement since I graduated, which is coming to six years now. Um, I love my job and I recently became a mom. Um, so now my career <laughs> is at home until while I'm on still on maternity. She is nine months now. Nine What's months her up. name? Her name is Victoria. How did you pick up this name? Um, well, it was a it was a very challenging process to be honest. <laughs> it took us good six months since we found out to to pick a name. Uh, but what we wanted to do is having something more international, um, something that would make sense in both Bulgaria and England. Um, so Victoria is also a common name in Bulgaria. We wanted something that will still have her Bulgarian origin, but also would make sense in UK because this is where. Uh, we are planning to grow our family and planning to raise her. So we didn't want to go too Bulgarian or too English. And we found very good middle ground in between. And also the meaning of the name, of course. And uh, we all know the impressive history of Queen Victoria. So it's a, it's a very meaningful name. <laughs> we love it. That's beautiful. And I actually know Vicky. She's just so smart. <laughs> Just <laughs> she cannot participate with this podcast yet, but I'm sure she would, if she could, if she could, she would be here. <laughs> exactly. So, did you have any other experience abroad? Yes, spent a, a long summer in the in the states in USA. But to be honest, when I first um, finished high school, my parents were behind me and uh, were fully supporting me to go abroad and start studying abroad straight away from high school. But I wasn't, um, I think I wasn't ready back then. I was not confident in my English. I was not brave enough, if I can say that as well. So I continued my higher education in Bulgaria. But in the back of my mind, it always stayed that idea about abroad. Maybe I should have gone to study abroad. I need to experience more. And I always knew that my education will more or less move at some point uh, in a different country because I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and still not risk too much. I decided to go for a work and travel program in the US, uh, which is a great opportunity because basically what it is, is you go there for four months to work. Uh, and then at the end of the program, you have one month where you can explore and you can travel and you can actually see the country outside of where you've been working all summer. 
So, so that was great because I could see what an actual life is in a different country, not just for holiday, because we all know holidays are wonderful, but that's not how you actually, what life is all about, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really liked it. I, I saw that it's, there's nothing scary about it, that uh, people don't throw rocks at you because you're a foreigner. <laughs> people are really nice. I saw that uh, the language barrier, while difficult, can quickly be um, overcome. Um, but also what I found out about myself is that I don't want such a big distance between me and my family. And U.S. is just way too far. That's why Australia was excluded straight away. <laughs> um, I, I was not really happy with, uh, with the big time difference. And it was so frustrating when I want to speak to my mom, for example, because when I'm going to bed, she's just waking up and the other way around. And it, uh, I knew that I will move abroad, but it will be a European country. And I came to England to study my master's. And that was a very easy decision uh, because I already had some experience. I saw what it is about. Uh, I was more confident that I can do it. Um, and I moved straight away. I was I don't know if I've told you that, but I haven't even been on a holiday in UK before I moved in. <laughs> I literally, I've never even stepped foot in England and I just applied for my master's. I got accepted. I put all my paperwork, packed my suitcase and moved in. Wow. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. What did you learn about yourself while you were living in USA because you were pretty young at the time. Yeah, I was, what, 22? It was challenging somewhere, but I learned that maybe I'm a lot more resilient than I thought I am. I thought I'm more spoiled and dependent on my parents than I actually am. And I, I saw that I am I can do more. I need to give myself more credit than I'm actually am <laughs> receiving from myself. You get homesick, it's normal. Uh, but I think that's something that happens in the beginning more than the more time you spend. I don't know how it's with you, but this is what I've discovered. But then I think the more time you spend in a different country, mm-hmm. uh, once the homesickness kicks, it kicks big time. <laughs> like you don't get that often. But once you get it, it's really strong feeling. You have been living here in UK for now six or seven years. Have you ever felt homesick? here in London? Oh, yes, definitely. I think in the beginning, when I first, first came, it was uh, it was quite scary as well, because first you realize that people don't speak like Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's not the English that you thought. People were talking about some hoovers where, you know, a vacuum cleaner <laughs> and uh, other words that uh, that are not what, you, what you've learned in school. And it's almost like, you have some confidence in your uh, in your language and then you come in and you're like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> and, and yeah, in the beginning, you don't have many people that you know. Uh, yeah. I, I think I only had one person that I've met and I only met her back home because I knew that she's coming to study in England. So we kind of like arranged that meeting. And, it, and it's quite scary and quite often you're like, you get homesick purely because you don't know nothing. Everything is completely new to you. People, place you live, place you study, language, even the geography. Um, I've always, I know it may sound odd, uh, but I'm used to knowing the geography of my country. And then 
and then it's a completely new geography and people telling me where they're from it's, it was frustrating me that I don't know where that is <laughs> it's just, it's just, I want to be aware of the map where I am where are you from I, I want to know what's going on um so it took me a while to get used to it but I think I think I'm feeling much much confident and much better now and that's why maybe I don't feel that home that homesick anymore because I feel like I have managed to integrate myself a little bit more into the environment. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting the point about geography because it happened the same to me. Mm. When people were giving me random ta- name of towns, for me was the evidence and somehow the confirmation that I was a foreigner. Because I knew just the big ones. So Birmingham, Oxford, Cambridge, yeah. or perhaps some some towns that I saw in movie. Um, but I didn't have like the awareness of how England looked like and sometimes yeah. London could be a be of a bubble. In my experience, I felt homesick in particular when there were big celebrations in my country, mm. uh, in particular bank holiday. So the idea that back home, the whole country was celebrating and he said I was in the office or I was working or no one was really aware of that celebration made me feel really disconnected. How was for you? Yeah, I guess that what you're saying makes sense because, for example, um, Christmas, we celebrate Christmas here as well, right? It's the same day, so it's still quite festive. You don't feel it that much. But for example, Eastern Bulgaria is different from Easter here. And usually there is one week gap. But for example, this year it has a whole month of a gap. So people here will have four days off and will be like, for us it's just four days. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. And then when it's actually our Easter, we'll be like, it's a, like a massive holiday. And everybody will be like, no, it's Sunday. <laughs> so this is this is where you actually feel that it's a big difference. Or for example, another national holiday that, as you say, you know, everyone is celebrating. It's a day off. They're not working. And you're stuck in the office and you're like, I want to do something about it. <laughs> so what we've started doing in the past couple of years is that um, we, we try to celebrate, even if it's not on the day, on the weekend with like fellow Bulgarians. And we usually go to this uh, to this restaurant that serves very nice Bulgarian, uh, Bulgarian food. And we just get together and it's kind of like a nice gathering um, because we know we're in our own way, we're still kind of celebrating that holiday, even if, if we're like so far away from all the actual festivities. And your situation is pretty unique because your husband is Bulgarian too. Yeah. So you shared this. Um, I don't have the same luck. My partner yeah. English, so we are somehow a double celebration, but not sharing the same. Is if you had any moment that you felt that London is your home? Oh yeah, like all the time. I feel that's why I haven't been thinking. Oh, I'm not feeling great here. I want to move back home. It's like I feel I have kind of made peace with the fact that uh, this is my home and I feel happy here Um, and London is particularly unique because it's one of those places that can't stop complaining about how busy it is how dirty it is how expensive it is and yet you know that you're not going to leave it ever (laughs) because it's like it has this this force that is like just bringing you and you know that you absolutely love it and you can't imagine going elsewhere and even with my husband we, we, you know, we live 
slightly outside the city center and we've discussed what about if we move even further out outside London, like just just outside London, not like in the suburbs, but uh, just outside. And we're like, no, <laughs> we have to, we know probably houses will be much cheaper, but we have to, we have to stay here. It's, it's London. <laughs> I mean, so many people from around the world are coming here and uh, it's a, it's a blessing to be, to, to live here. And also it's, it's just unique about how, how the people are thinking their mindset and how, how much empathy you can see and uh, how inclusive they are. Um, it's, it's just it's just great. It's a great feeling. And London is unique so much that I think many of us can agree with you. Mm. And it's also the scenario for you and the place where you became mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> During the pandemic, the very first one when the world stopped. Yeah, how was that experience for you it was a blessing and also it was quite scary um because i said it was right at the beginning uh basically i got pregnant in october and then the pan- the pandemic actually hit big time in march at that point i was what six six months six months pregnant yeah, we didn't have a COVID baby. The baby was already already coming before before the before COVID nineteen hit. You know what? I tried to see it as more of a positive thing um, because I was sick so much and it was so difficult to uh, to be trying to balance it uh, the pregnancy with my work. Somehow I managed. I feel like if i've managed that now i can manage everything um but back then it was it was quite difficult and uh when we were told initially that we'll be working from home i was like oh thank god i can if i'm not okay no one will have to deal with my moods or my sickness or i won't be forced to travel for one hour to go to the office so that's fine but then the more we got into the lockdown and the pandemic and the more the toilet paper started disappearing with the past and the sauce i was like oh what is actually happening from both of us going to ultrasound appointments then it got into no he's not allowed inside with you then it got to no he's not allowed in the hospital at all uh then it was no you're just coming by yourself so even when I was nine months I was just driving my car and and going by myself to appointments which was a bit which was quite scary and and also we were really looking forward to all the group sessions and all the activities with fellow parents fellow expecting parents and uh, learning all these things that you need to know about like breathing exercise and all you've seen on the movies because I mean we watch so many movies you yes. have you have built up expectations. You want to be in a circle with other parents, other couples, to see how you're breathing, have little baby dolls. <laughs> um, so none of that happened. We, we were, all of that uh, we just had to do on YouTube. Um, and then the other scary thing was, what about the actual the actual birth? Uh, at, at that point, uh, some NHS trust started announcing that your partner will not be allowed 
in the delivery room with you. Uh, so we we didn't know until the final end what might happen because as you remember, everything was changing on a daily basis. And in the end, we were really lucky because they allowed him to be with me, even though it was only for a short period of time. So they only let him once. Once the action is about to happen, he can come in. <laughs> and then once the baby is born, uh, he could stay with us for two hours. Yeah. And then he had to go. Uh, and then until the point of us being discharged from the hospital, he was not allowed at all. And it was just me and the baby. So so that was a bit a bit scary too, because they literally give it give you the baby and and they're like, Okay, now now it's you. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> it's um I think in Bulgaria, obviously it's my first child, so I don't have experience there, but I think in Bulgaria they take it, they bring it back, they wash it or they change it, and th- there is a lot more help. Uh, while here they they don't separate you from the baby, which I also think is great. We managed to spend more time together. So he was a I had my partner the whole time because we were both working from home. Um, so I always knew that um, like touch wood something happens, he'll be around. But equally, none of my family could see me being pregnant. So he was the only see uh, the only one to see me in my fattest period ever. <laughs> Your fat spirits ever. You are pregnant. I think that's the what? only moment as a woman that we can allow to be fat without yeah. being touched. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's sad because my mom couldn't see me being like so heavily pregnant. Well, the last time I saw them before they met me with the baby was when I was three months and that was barely visible. So they couldn't even see me being pregnant, which I, I guess is quite upsetting. But hopefully, next pregnancy, <laughs> they, they won't miss out. You just shared many things. And the, the thing, few things that come up for me are how hard must be for you driving nine months pregnant during a pandemic by your own to the hospital for appointment. And... How was the delivery just being just just you, the doctors, very briefly, your husband, and then just you and the baby? It's a very, very scary time. It's a very scary time period. Like, forget about pandemic, just bringing a human being into the new world, uh, into the world is scary enough. And then throw in the pandemic as well. It's even scarier. So what I've tried to do is, tried I tried to take control of my emotions and I, I was thinking if there is a time to to show emotional intelligence it's now and I really need to focus and don't give in too much into stress because I really need to be me <laughs> I really need to be focused and good so I can so I can go through that and so what I was trying to do the whole time is try to think positive let's find the positive side of everything so for example you mentioned driving um we literally bought a car in february <laughs> we bought a car and we we're like we have plenty of time to drive around go to place and then march bam no you're not driving you're staying home because it's stay at home protect the nhs save lives <laughs> don't go anywhere uh but we were out to the grocery stores and because I didn't have much experience driving, especially in UK when they drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> or the other side of the road. <laughs> compared to Europe. They're called right and left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Considering UK drive on the on the different side of the road. Uh, I needed to to embrace that. And I was thinking, well, actually, it's the perfect time now because everybody's home. 
there's less traffic. Let me get out there and I can start, well, not learning to drive, but just gaining more experience behind the wheel by myself without anyone next to me. So that was one of the positives uh, that, was, that was good. And then once I gave birth, I was, I could be independent. I could just put the baby in the back seat, and London is my oyster. <laughs> and the, the actual delivery, it was crazy again because the, the hospital and you're always thinking, would I have difficulties with the language barrier? Um, obviously, I feel more comfortable and confident with the language now. But still, you don't know what's going to happen at that specific moment. Um, you always hear about stories about people starting to swear in their native language. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, what if they start talking to me about like some medical terminology that I don't know what, what I'm going to do, what I understand it. But then when I was actually in the hospital, I realized I'm more aware of the terminology in English than I would have been in Bulgarian because I was trying to speak with my mom and explain it. And I realized that because my whole pregnancy was handled in England, uh, all the time I was seeing uh, English midwife and I was reading English websites and I was speaking with uh, other English people. I realized I'm more prepared in English than I am in Bulgarian. <laughs> and actually, I would probably struggle more if I had to give birth in Bulgaria. And also, people are really, really nice. And if, if you don't understand something, just ask them. If, if Because at the end of the day, even if you're English, you still might not know the terminology. <laughs> you still yeah. might not understand what medical professionals are talking to you. So just ask. People are nice. People know what you're going through. People know it's scary. People know that... Uh, pandemic is not the best time to to give birth but you have to because you can't postpone it <laughs> no you cannot postpone it. <laughs> no so so yeah oh, oh no it was more positive than I imagined really that's interesting that you mentioned about the language barrier I found myself ending up in A&E once oh really and it's interesting because I went to the a &E that I worked for a while for so mm -hmm. I knew, I knew doctors, I knew also the, the layout of the department. So I thought that I would feel comfortable. However, when I arrived, my first thought was, I need an Italian speaking person. <laughs> because I need to describe exactly what I am. I'm not going to be able to do it in English. It was such a, such a strong point for me. But eventually, like, people were very kind mm -hmm. and I could ask questions and I could ask them to repeat and just they were like explain to me again and was the barrier was not the English itself was more the understanding of what was happening so I can relate with that a lot actually yeah. I think at some instances you might there there is a struggle because if you've experienced something in the past and you know what it is but you've experienced it let's say you in Italy and me in Bulgaria you because you've experienced it in that country and in that language it's difficult to to transfer it into a different country different language like like the other day vicky had some when she was breathing i could hear some some like wheezing sounds and now i can explain it to you because i've read about it and i know the word wheezing but the other day i had literally no idea and uh, me and my partner we were like let's call someone but how are we going to explain it what is that word what is that term what does it mean are we sure that google translator is actually giving us the right word because you know google translator sometimes it's it's not exactly no, <laughs> the, not. the right translation 
Um, so yeah, sometimes you're like, you there there is this difficulty but at the end of the day just explain it with more words even if you don't use the correct term that that's why the nhs is great because they give you the option of actually having a person speaking your language because they know that in that scenario you would need all the support you need yeah absolutely like nhs provide like translator and support in that sense in terms of support what support did you receive from your mom and from your family during the pregnancy um, in particular because the plan was for your family, of course, to visit you, delivery or just after the delivery, this couldn't happen. So I'm curious to understand what support and how you felt about that. Yeah, well, that was something that uh, did not go as planned as well, um, because we were planning to, to fly my mom uh, somewhere around the end of my pregnancy, say about two weeks before the due date, for example. So she can be here and uh, ready for when I actually give birth. She can be here from day one. Uh, but because it was uh, it was still there, so there were so many cases on a daily basis. At that point, England was uh, slightly, uh, UK was slightly better. But then Bulgaria was hitting it hard. And Bulgaria was having some sort of like a wave with, uh, with many cases. Uh, we decided maybe it's not such a great idea. And we'll we'll do it on our own. But when I when it was funny because when I gave birth, we we spent a few days and we were like, oh, so that's not as easy as we thought. <laughs> we we're like, we think we need support, we need help. Please, <laughs> let's evaluate what we're more scared of: being alone with the baby or coronavirus. <laughs> We decided we're more scared of a newborn than we were from coronavirus. You know, like, okay, mom, you put your like spacesuit, all the masks and hats and gloves, and just get on that plane and come. And then within two days, she came. So she was here probably about 10 days after I gave birth. So she was here and she helped immensely. Until she came, we only ate once during the day. We either had lunch or had dinner. There was no opportunity to have both lunch and dinner. That was that was a luxurious life. Um, so that's another pro. Um, that's another another advantage of uh, still being in Europe. Because if I was living in the States or in Australia, she, her her travel will be one two days, let alone to give her this notice. So so that's good. That you only have three hour flight and it's easy to book. You don't need visa. I mean, back then we didn't need anything like that. We don't do baby showers in Bulgaria um, because it's considered uh, it's considered bad luck. Uh, basically, you, you're giving gifts to some someone that hasn't been born yet. So um, we wait until the baby is born. Then we wait forty days. Uh, so it's not like a newborn. So it, and once uh, these forty days are done. You you invite people. There's there's a big celebration, um, and there's a lot of traditions involved with that. You only invite women, and they they give uh, gifts, and they they celebrate the baby, and they wish like specific wishes to the baby. And it's a very very it's a very nice tradition, and I was really looking forward to it. Uh, but again, because of pandemic, we couldn't do it. So I think we did it when she was three months old, <laughs> yeah. which was uh, which was still nice. But we were really hoping that the whole family would be able to to come for the forty days. 
uh, and see it. Uh, so that that was that couldn't happen again. We had a similar tradition in Italy. We don't yeah. celebrate before the baby is born. Mm. Um, it's a form of somehow bad luck. Yeah, exactly. We do after. And I always find it interesting. I was invited to uh, one of them here in the UK. And I was so surprised because for me it was interesting as a very interesting experience and it was yeah. the same joy as the baby was around yeah actually it was not <laughs> it was <this laughs> very pregnant woman walking around and going to the toilet every 10 minutes <laughs> so, but but i can see how even if it's different traditions still like the, the three countries like bulgaria italy and uk celebrate birth mm. and like, as as a, such an important step in life yeah like my husband he he will he asked me once so what's the deal with that baby shower how exactly do they shower the baby when the baby is not born <laughs> and i was like they don't shower the baby they shower it with gifts <laughs> so you don't actually need a baby to shower and he's like oh okay that makes more sense <laughs> for a mom to be or for like a young woman is thinking to have a baby in this moment of time in particular, if this person live abroad, what recommendation or suggestion will you share? As a person who went through that experience, um, I, I started undermining Facebook, but Facebook has so many amazing groups and so many um, great support groups for moms. And also uh, I have this app uh, where, where I also speak a lot with the moms and we have this group for just moms who have June babies <laughs> so we're literally going through the same stages the same steps and I saw how how much various babies are so different from one another moms are so different and postpartum depression is a real thing so your mental health should be at first place I would say uh, so if you're going through that think about what what will make you feel calm what will make you feel secure? Plan ahead, uh, but don't don't hold on to your birth plan too much because things change. <laughs> when when I was pregnant, my husband was crazy about having a birth plan. He was walking with this folder and pen after me since I was like third month pregnant, being like, "Let's drive, uh, let's write a birth plan, let's write a birth plan." And I was like, "What are you on about? My plan is to give birth." full stop that's that's my birth plan I go there I give birth and then we started looking at it and there are so many options so many options do you want music do you not want music do you want people to speak to you do you not want people to speak to you? and then you literally write everything down do you want water birth do you want to give birth at home did you know that you you have the option to actually give birth at home I was like that's that's odd I would I would change the couch if I did that. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I'll be doing it on the couch. Um, and there's so many, so many options that it's great to think about because it makes you more prepared. But equally, something can change literally for a second. And then your whole birth plan is canceled, which is what happened with us. And I think I was not ready for it. But I was so focused on me having a water birth. I I, I packed my bikini. <laughs> I was, I was so, my husband was like, you know, 
you're not going for a spa. You're going to give birth. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the pool in the hospital was so nice. I'll just take my bikini, take everything. I'll go in. I'll give birth in the in the water. It will be painless. It will be beautiful. I was imagining unicorns and rainbows, but it's not like that. <laughs> my, because my water broke before before I had any contractions or anything like that, which automatically cancels the water birth. Um, so yeah, plan ahead is my advice, but then be equally flexible to just cancel your plan. <laughs> um, and where to give birth, just again, what what feels good for you do you would you feel good would you feel secured to do it in the foreign country or would you rather do it at home just uh, just see how you feel best uh, for example my aunt who's been now maybe 20 years in uk um so she has much much more experience than me living here but she said no i want to give birth in bulgaria full stop um this is where my doctor is this is where where the person I trust the most, I want to go home. And this is what she did. Uh, well, me, I was here only five years, but I was like, I don't have a doctor back home. Everyone I've seen is here. Everyone who's monitored my pregnancy is here. So I actually feel more secure to do it here. People are different. So just, just think about what's best for you, what's good for your particular mental health and how would you feel more secure and just, just follow your instincts. I do love it. Follow your instinct. Yeah. So um, it's so interesting because Vicky doesn't speak yet, but she's going to have her own podcast episode somehow, where she's <laughs> mentioned many times. <laughs> yeah, she's famous. She is. Too, famous. Bad, too bad there's no video because she loves the camera. But can you can you blame her? She's been brought on video calls. <laughs> Yeah, actually. Does she interact with like video call with your parents and relatives back home? Oh, uh, yes. She absolutely loves it because she's so used to it uh, of me uh, giving her a cuddle, taking the phone and then starting a video call. Now, if I do it without her, she's almost offended. <laughs> and because because she's recently started crawling. Um, and she's so active and once I see her being a little bit more quiet I took my phone and called my mom and as soon as she hears the signal of the phone she goes like almost running if she could run almost running through the room coming to me crawl on my lap and then start smiling and almost like I'm here I'm ready <laughs> introduce me again I know I'm the star of the show so <laughs> I think they call them COVID babies. COVID babies are uh, brought in in a completely different way. They're, they're used to people wearing masks. They're used to video calls. They're used to being home all the time. It's uh, it's crazy. That That's why we'll be, we'll be introducing her to nursery early because she needs to start socializing in, in real life <laughs> to, to understand that it's not just me and her father and uh, the smartphone. They are actually other people in the world. <laughs> We go now with the fire question. So pick up just one answer. And for the question, just, just give me one word. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Fish, meat or veggie? Meat. Wine, beer or water? Wine. Beach, mountain or city with rich history? Beach. Dinner with friends? Cozy evening on your own? Or dinner with family? Family. <laughs> a bit more serious now. Are you a doer or a dreamer? Dreamer. Are you risk taker or risk 
avoider? Taker. Are you a tough conversation initiator or a peacemaker? I was more of a peacemaker, but I've started being more of a <laughs> tough conversation taker. I'm pushing myself there. <laughs> Eyes on the present or focus toward the future? Present. Okay. Maybe before COVID was future, but now I know future can change in a matter of seconds. <laughs> It's so true, actually. <laughs> Biggest strength? Oh, biggest strength. Imagination. Biggest vulnerability. Family. The one word representing you. Romantic. I'm curious to know what made you say family as your biggest vulnerability. Because my biggest fears are always around my family. Because it's out of my control. It's out of my reach. Everything re concerning health and family has always been a vulnerability and fear because... I can't do anything about it. And we are about to close. Just a few things that could be useful for who is listening to this episode. What is the big worry that you had that never came true? I would say my biggest fear when I moved to UK would be that I will be completely rejected by the by the people. I thought I will forever just be a foreigner, full stop, and then equally be rejected in Bulgaria because I'm kind of like, I'm betrayed <laughs> my people by moving abroad. But that's not true. Though I think some Bulgarians might see me as a betrayer. <laughs> um, no, joke aside, uh, I've never felt discriminated. People have always been really nice, really kind. Beautiful. And I, I, I do fully agree with this. What is the one recommendation will you give to the Yana of 10 years ago? I would say you're young. You have nothing to lose. Don't, don't have any fears and just go for it. Whatever you want, just go for it. What is your best hope for the future? That we'll be able to travel soon. <laughs> um, no, my best hope for the future is uh, that we'll become more and more kind more empathetic more inclusive yeah we'll start start being more understanding of others people's struggles and not just thinking it from our perspective thank you yana for being here with us today thank you for having me bye ciao